Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. In this episode, Pastor Billy teaches on the beauty of the Lord and how important it is to be fascinated by Him. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. Okay, well we're on our third part of our series, Teach Us to Pray where we have been engaging with Jesus' uh, prayer that he laid out in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father Prayer. And what we talked about the last several weeks is how that prayer, it's not a prayer that's supposed to be repeated constantly over and over and over verbatim. In fact, if you read Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, Jesus literally says, don't be like the heathens, you know, continually being repetitive and just saying the same thing over and over and over so that you can be heard like they think. Don't do it like that. He goes, but when you pray, pray in this manner. And the in this manner is he's laying out for us sort of a template for all prayer, how prayer works. And uh, what we've gone through the last several weeks is how that template The first five components of Jesus' prayer that he gives us are all about God. They're not all about us. And so often when we come to prayer, we just start with me and what I need and what I want. But Jesus, when he taught the Lord's Prayer and taught us his disciples and taught us how to pray, he started with our Father, who he is, and where he is in heaven and hallowed be thy name, what he's like. And so last week, we, we talked about who he is. This week, we're talking about where he is. Everybody say where. Where he is. So let's, uh, let's ask for the spirit of revelation to come on us as we get into this. Lord, I'm asking you to open the eyes of our understanding. I thank you for your presence in this room. I thank you for the anointing to teach the word and preach the word. And I'm asking, fill my mouth with what you want to say. Let me speak as your oracle. And Lord, we open our heart to hear from heaven. We open our heart to receive everything that's on your mind And I pray that tonight, as we preach and teach the word, that you would take the atmosphere of this room completely over, that we would have an encounter, a throne room encounter, through engaging with the throne room in the scripture, to open our eyes, just say that, say, open my eyes, open my eyes to see you. Do that, Lord. We thank you for the spirit of revelation being released even right now. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So last week, we talked about who he is, the knowledge of God. We talked about A.W. Tozer and the book Knowledge of the Holy, and we made a bunch of those available Uh, in the group me. There's Still some available. If you'll uh, reach out to Alicia in the group me, I bet you she'll get you a Kindle. And did you buy some? Oh, you did. So she's bought hard copies. How many hard copies are you going to have? Ooh. 
I'm going to say the first 25 people that DM and want a hard copy of Knowledge of the Holy. Are you going to be the Knowledge of the Holy dealer? Okay. Alicia will deal you a Knowledge of the Holy. I remember reading Knowledge of the Holy probably 20, a little over 20 years ago, and it changed my life. And as I've said in previous messages so many times, even in ministry, 13, 14 years into ministry, I'd preach so many messages on what God wants us to do, what, uh, what, God is, what God is expecting of us, what we're supposed to do, what God will do, and almost no messages on who is God. And uh, reading Knowledge of the Holy, it dialed me into this truth that if we don't know who He is, Everything else is sort of a waste. And so that's what we talked about last week was who he is. Tonight we're going to talk about where he is. Where he is. Um, I just want you to think about when you pray. You close your eyes or have your eyes open. When you pray, we talked last week, who are you talking to? But where is he? Where are you thinking you're directing your prayer? You're talking to God. Do you think about the location? Or is it sort of dark in your mind? Is it sort of blank? Uh, it's really, really important, not only that we get a depth of who he is, but we get an understanding of where he is. Here's the truth. The Bible gives us a ton of details about the throne room, and it's because God wants us to be able to engage that place. Now, here's the deal. By the blood of Jesus, when you pray, by the blood of Jesus, you're not just throwing sort of prayers into heaven like throwing Frisbees at the ceiling. You are actually stepping in by the power of the blood of Jesus. You're stepping into the throne room. Your feet are here, but you are there. You're a dual citizen. You literally are. The Bible says you're a citizen of heaven. You might have a passport that says, you know, United States or Mexico or Canada or wherever you're from, but... You have that passport and a human natural citizenship, but you are a citizen of heaven and you have access, this is wild, you have access to the throne of the potentate of the kingdom that you're of, that's the kingdom of God. You have access to his throne anytime you want. Now just think about that. If, if, if you had some kind of letter from the White House, and it said, you can come to the White House anytime you want, and you can speak to the president. Like, don't get political on me just right now. <laughs> Nameless, faceless president, okay? <laughs> just do that. But you have access to speak to the president. You've got a letter that says you're welcome to go. That would be pretty cool. But I want to tell you something. That chair that's in the Oval Office on Pennsylvania Avenue in the White House, that 
leader of the free world chair is infinitely below the chair that you have access to 24-7. That's who you are right now. And if you don't have a picture of that place, you're just missing a massive piece of the equation because we are made to engage that place. All right, Revelation 4 it gives us one of the clearest, detailed explanations of God's throne room. It goes with Revelation 5. When you read Revelation 4, read it with Revelation 5 because it's, it's two components. In Revelation 4, you get, you get like a zoom in on the Father. In Revelation 5, you get a zoom in on the Son. Tonight, we're just going to deal with Revelation 4 because I want this to get really clear in your mind that when you're praying, when you're saying, Father, you close your eyes, you are in this place. You're in this throne room. But if you have no picture of this place, it'll just be dark in your mind and you're missing half the fun. Seriously. He gave us the detail of this place and he, that place is filled with wonder and beauty and pleasure and sight and sound and fragrance. And I mean, that place is filled with so much of the nature of God is all through that place. When we go there in the spirit by faith, when we go into that space, all of a sudden the atmosphere of that place fills the atmosphere of the place where our feet are. And I just believe this, that even as we talk about that place right now, I just, play, I, I just pray that we just go right into that place. That place comes right into here. How many would like to go to heaven tonight? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Like, not permanently or anything. <laughs> I mean, you're, yes, you have permanent access if you want your feet to stay actually alive and on your body still. Okay. All right. Let's... <laughs> Let's read. Yeah, one day for good. But that's, you know, heaven's coming to earth. That's another story for another time. Uh, oh, I need to mention this. Um, we're, turn over to Revelation 4, and we'll read it. But I need to mention an announcement real quick. So I'm in the prayer room today, and um, just sitting in my corner doing my deal, and uh, just with the Lord, and... Uh, I start thinking about just, well, I'm, I've, I've been a little bit di just disrupted the last week and a half, just desiring to see a greater breakthrough of authority and power and deliverance and healing, even like where we were praying and worship tonight, and just sort of disrupted. And, and when I get that way, I get, I get, I get a little cranky, <laughs> I get a little groaning on the inside, I get a little weepy, a little trembly. And I was just sitting there with the Lord, like, Lord, how long, you know? I, I'm asking you to move in power, God. I just want you so badly. Move, manifest. And, um, and I felt like the Lord just began to nudge my heart a little bit. And I started getting a little weepy. And I felt like the Lord was inviting me to take a season in the night watch. And so my wife and I, we're going to go take a week vacation tomorrow. We're going to go rest for a week. We got a friend that's got an Airbnb. We're going to go hang there. 
And, uh, but when I come back, I'm going to jump into the Night Watch for a month, starting June 25th. And I'm going to go from June 25th through July 20th. I'm telling you these dates because I want to invite you to come and rumble with me in the night. We're going to rumble for revival every night between 12 and 2, between June 25th and July 20th. And probably the majority of you guys already stay up till 2 a.m. anyway, if we're honest, if we're honest. Some of you guys got those 5 a.m., 6 a.m. jobs. God bless you. You're amazing. Woo, anointed and all that. But the rest of you, you guys know you're staying up like doing nothing until 2 a.m. I want to ask you, I'll be there uh, Sunday through Thursday night, and then I got to take two days to get myself straight so I can actually come to church on Sunday morning, right? So I'll flip back just so I can do that morning service, and I'll pop back on Sunday nights. But I want to ask some of you guys, all of you guys, any of you guys, somebody please, anybody, (laughs) uh, to join me in the night watch. 12 to 2, we're going to pray together, believe God for breakthrough. I, I'm just at this place right now where I'm, I'm cresting the zenith of my life. I'm on the back stretch. I'm old. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't have as much time to goof around and play. And so I want to go after the jugular And what if, what if we get gripped with a spirit of travail? What if we get gripped with a revival prayer breakthrough in the the night watch this summer? What if if something gets a hold? What if we get a hold of something that gets a hold of us? We get a spirit of prayer on us, praying into a breakthrough for this fall as people are coming back to school. I I, I just want to leave it on the field. And uh, I don't have that many more years to leave it. I just, I'm, I'm acting like I'm 85. I'm not 80. But I, you get old, you get tired, you get cranky. I, I, I want to do it while I'm still happy and youngish. But anyway, I'm going to jump in this summer. So what are my dates again? June 25th to July 20th. Let's rumble for revival in the night. Come on, come on. Can I get a little amen, just an amen? Anybody think you might come join me? Hey, come on! All right, good. All right, Revelation 4. Let's read the whole chapter, 11 verses. Put your eyes on it. I'm in the New King James. Verse 1. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. 
And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. They had crowns of gold on their heads, and from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Amen. This chapter and chapter 5 have become habits of mine. When I don't know what I want to read, it's one of the places that I go to. I go here, I go Song of Solomon, I go Sermon on the Mount, I go John 13 to 17. Those are my habit passages. Re make Revelation 4 and 5 your habit. Colossians 3 says this, Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. Seek those things which are above. Set and seek. Set your mind and seek those things which are above. Some people a long time ago, they came up with this phrase and they say, oh, that person's too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And they're talking about Christians who are just always thinking about ethereal things and they have no application. They don't actually have any practical outreach or, 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 or touching anybody on the earth. But I would just say this, that if you are not heavenly minded, you can be no earthly good. That's the place your citizenship is from. If you are not locked in on the throne room, you cannot have an impact and release authority here on the earth. In fact, I think one of the greatest problems with Christians is that they live on the earth from the earth to the earth. And what we've got to learn how to do is live on the earth from heaven to the earth. Does that make sense? But if we live on the earth, from the earth to the earth, then our mind gets filled with the perspectives of earth. And you will not release heavenly authority when your mind is filled with earthly nonsense. But if your mind is filled filled with heavenly wonder, beauty, glory, majesty, fire. If your mind is filled with that, 
then when you open your mouth, it doesn't even have to be a deeply spiritual thing. There will be a different authority on what you say because heaven is dripping off of you because that's where you've been setting your mind. And so we've got to get acquainted with Revelation 4 so that it changes our perspective and we operate in the unction and the authority of that place. Amen. So Revelation 4, I love it. Let's just do a little verse by verse. What I did for you in the notes, in the group me, 13 pages, I go in detail. When I've taught the book of Revelation, I offered like 200 pages of notes. I took most of what I did for Revelation 4 in my book Revelation class, and I just gave it to you guys in the group me. That's why it's 13 pages detail, phrase by phrase, tons of Bible verses. If you want to study this, it's for you. It's there in the group me. Just grab it. And actually, if you want, go ahead and grab it, copy it, throw it in a different group me or the other group chat that you're in. Say that you wrote it, and I'll just amen that. It's yours. Have it. My copyright is the right to copy. So here we go. John, let's just set it up. Chapter 2 and 3. Chapter 1, 2, and 3. John is on the Isle of Patmos. John is in prison. The Isle of Patmos is actually an island that is an island prison like Alcatraz off the coast of San Francisco in the San Francisco Bay. He's on a prison for the testimony of the word of God. He's there on the island, and it says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And and in the spirit, he's praying, and it says he heard a voice behind him like a trumpet, and he turned to see the voice. And when he turns to see the voice, he has a living encounter with the glorified Jesus. Jesus himself, in his glorified state, is now standing right in front of John. His face is shining like the sun. I mean, he's beautiful. He's, He's glorious. He's authoritative. He's powerful. When John sees him, John falls like a dead man at his feet. Jesus reaches over to his best friend. He says, hey, don't be afraid. It's me. I am the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I'm going to tell you things. I want you to write them in seven letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, which were those churches that John had authority over. And he gives him chapter 2 and chapter 3. Here's what happens. After he's having, I mean, that would be the most stunning, shocking prayer time of your entire life. Turn around, glorified Jesus. He's giving you apostolic letters to send to the churches that you're in authority. And you're having this encounter with you. I mean, it's just blowing your mind. But that's not where the encounter ends. What happens is John then looks and there is a door standing open in heaven. And that door, is he sees it physically in the sky with it open, and it is a portal from earth into heaven. And whereas John was one moment ago having an encounter with Jesus with his feet on the ground, one second later, he hears 
the voice, which is the same voice that he heard at the beginning, saying, come up here, and John goes from on the earth having the best quiet time of his entire life to blasting off through the door and landing in the throne room of God. That is the best quiet time you've ever had. Now, just so we're really clear on this, the throne room is a real place. When you read the book of Revelation, you find there's detail that gives us spatial reality. In other words, it measures distance in the throne room. There's physicality. In other words, there's tactile things there. These are not wispy vapors of cloud and John sort of walking around in this ethereal place. If ethereal, cloudy, wispy heaven is what you think of when you think of heaven, you are not thinking of heaven in the right way or in a biblical way, I should say. It's a real place. Have you ever seen a mirror that is like um, a two-way mirror? Like on the one side, it's a reflection, but on the other side, you can see through and you can see everything on both sides, right? So this is the thing. You're behind the reflective side right now. What John did was he went through that onto the other side. And it's just as real on that side. It's just as physical, it's just as real, it's just as tactile, it's not clouds, it's not wispy vapors, it's not a bunch of, you know, angel babies playing, to- uh, playing harps with togas wearing, wearing togas, it's not that, it's a real tactile place, and all the physicality is described in detail, so when John lands in that place, he's looking at a place that's so physically real, it was just as real, in fact, even more real than the island prison he just blasted off from. Here's what I want to tell you. The throne room of God is the center of all created order. It's the center of all meaning. It's the place with the greatest meaning because the one who created everything is there in that throne room. The closer you are to the throne room, the more in touch with reality you are. The further you are from that throne room, the more out of touch with reality you are. That is the center of all reality. And when John lands in that place and he looks, the very first thing he says is, behold, a throne. And John would have known at this moment he is a good Jewish boy, a good theologian, he would have known, if I see his face, I should die. He says, behold, a throne. Now, in the book of Revelation, 25 times that word behold is used, 25 times. When you, whenever you see the word behold in Scripture, it's not just a preposition. It is, whoa. I like, you ever, you ever like those guys that say, they like, voila, you know, like they do the trick or whatever? Behold is the divine voila. It's an unveiling of something that's shocking. It's the unveiling of something that's mind-boggling. He goes, behold. 
a throne set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. Now, I want you to get something. You have access to that place. The blood of Jesus has given you access to that place. When you pray, you're not some second-class citizen sort of knocking at the door on the outside of the throne room. You are there in that place. And that throne that's there is infinitely above every other throne. That throne is set in heaven. It's not subject to any other throne. There's no other throne. There's no demon throne, Lucifer's throne. There's no human throne. There's no throne that impacts that throne. That throne is set, and every other throne is at the whim of the throne that's set in heaven. And you have access to that throne to make request of that throne. And when you pray and you make a request according to the will of the one on that throne, it is done. And there is no other throne that can in any way inhibit or thwart the decrees that come off of that throne. Behold a throne. It's set in heaven. And there's one sitting there. When you, I just, when you say Abba, who are you talking to? What do you see in your mind's eye? He says there's one who sits on that throne. He's like a jasper and a sardius stone. That place is filled with beauty and light. I want to tell you something. You're made for beauty. You are made for beauty. It is hardwired into your being that when you see something beautiful, it touches you. You go, wow. You go, oh, whoa. I remember the first time my wife and I, we went to Hawaii. We went to Maui. Our first day there, we were driving, and the sun was setting on the coast. We were driving up this road that was just right there by the beach, and we see the sunset. And when it hit the water, when the sun began to, you know, Go down, and, and when it hit the water, of course, it doesn't hit the water, but when it's hitting the horizon, it, expo- it looked like the sun exploded on the sky. We literally pulled our car over and started taking pictures. It was so touristy, like day one with our like, cameras, like, oh, 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 you know, it's taking pictures. And that, that expression of beauty, it struck us so much. And then I realized this, everything declares the glory of God. And everything in this life is a shadow and a vapor. And so when it says he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone. Jasper is a diamond-like light. Sardius is a ruby-like light. What's coming off of him is beauty and glory, this this dual light show of wonder. And it's not just light because it's everything that comes off of God is part of God. So in the light is his presence. In the light is his nature. He's experiencing the jasper, but he's feeling the nature. He's experiencing the ruby red sardis, but he's feeling who he is. The jasper, it speaks of purity. It speaks of his righteousness, his holiness, his purity. 
the, the ruby red, it speaks of his judgment and his justice. You know, the scripture says his throne is established on righteousness and justice. And around the throne, there is an emerald rainbow. When you get into the words and you study that a little bit, you find out it's probably more like a dome. It's probably not just like an arc. It's probably like a dome. Let me ask you a question. What color is emerald? And what color is rainbow? A bunch of colors. How? Do you get emerald rainbow dome? What is that? What's going on here? Jasper, sardius, emerald rainbow around the throne. His throne is established on righteousness and justice and mercy goes before the throne. The emerald rainbow speaks of the mercies of God. Let me tell you something. Everything that comes out of the throne of God, it goes through a a curtain of mercy. All of his actions are mercy. Even his judgments are mercy. Can you imagine what it's like to be in the place that's being lit up with diamond-like jasper light, sardius ruby red light, emerald rainbow, mercy rainbow around the throne. You're in that space, and the light that's coming out of the being of God is reflecting off of your face. Behold a throne set in heaven. He who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone. There was an emerald rainbow around the throne. Around the throne were 24 thrones. I like to picture it in my mind. 12 on one side, 12 on the other. Those that sat on them, they had crowns and robes. I, like to, I believe that those are the 12 apostles of the Lamb and the 12 elders of the tribes of Israel. They're in the throne room. And these are obviously some very exalted, you know, people who have been set apart and marked by God over history. But it says this, that when the living creatures sing, the elders throw their crowns before him who sits on the throne. There's only one that stays sitting. Him who is highly exalted. I always wonder, how do they get their crowns back? Is there like a crown ball boy, like at the baseball game? Who is the crown reset button guy? Maybe they're just like bowling pins. They just shoot back onto their head. I don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. When we get there, we'll find out. Before the throne, there's a sea of glass. Ezekiel saw the sea of glass. Daniel saw the sea of glass. John saw the sea of glass like crystal. Ezekiel said it was a sapphire pavement. Moses saw it, called it a sapphire pavement. Ezekiel seems to see it from the bottom because when he looks through the sea of glass, the throne looks like a sapphire. Moses called it a sapphire pavement. And the the elders of Israel that all went up the mountain with Moses, they saw 
the God of Israel, with the sapphire pavement. Heaven had come down on top of the mountain. John saw it. Daniel saw it. Daniel saw it with a fiery stream going through it. Revelation 15, John would add that detail to it. There's a fire in it, mingled with fire. The throne, the floor of the throne room is a sapphire sea. Somebody's like, is it got waves in it or is it, what is it? I think of it as like a lake when it's glass. You have access to that, to the beauty of that light, the wonder of the jasper and the sardius, the rainbow, the emerald, the the living creatures, the, the 24 elders. You have access to that place. It's incredibly important that you get this into your mentality so that when you pray, it's not boring. This is called a theater of divine entertainment. There's sounds. It says there's lightning. There's thundering. There's noises or voices. And they're coming out of the being of God. And what's really interesting is in Job 37, it tells us that God, when he speaks, he thunders with his majestic voice and he wraps his hands in lightning and he commands the lightning where to strike. The thunder and the lightning that's coming out of God are the decrees of God and the answers to prayer that God is releasing. And now, how many of you have ever had one of those moments, maybe when the storm hit, like we had a storm hit this week and I was in the prayer room and the, the thunderclap went off like right above the prayer. It was like, boom, we were all like, whoa. You ever had one of those? I remember one time I woke up, it was Pentecost Sunday, and I woke up to the loudest thunder crack, like above my bedroom. Bang! I woke up, I was like, oh! I was like, it's Pentecost. <laughs> yeah! But it was so scary, it freaked me out when I woke up. I wish revival started that day. It didn't, unfortunately. But there will be a day. Anyway, you've had those thunder explosion moments where it freaked you out. Or do you ever, did you ever do like the, in the, you know, the middle of summer and it's humid and that heat lightning is, is blowing all over the sky. You just see it like resonate. Have you ever had a lightning like, like land and you see it like hit? You ever been hit by lightning, anybody? No? Okay, good. We'll just get you up to testify about how God healed you, <laughs> delivered you. But here's the point I want to make. The thunder that blew your mind, the lightning that you saw strike. I can remember times just watching it crack. Like You see the, the, the lightning strike go like 10 different directions. And you can see it all hit the ground and being like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. All of that is natural in origin. It's all finite, created thunder and lightning. The thunder and lightning that John was experiencing was coming out of God. Uncreated thunder, infinite thunder, infinite lightning. It's exploding around the throne room. The beauty of the light, 
the wonder, the glory, the fire, the magnetism of the light. It's filling that place. The thunder is exploding. The lightnings are exploding. If you can just tap in to the truth of what's in the scripture, you will never have another boring prayer life because here, a prayer moment, because when you begin to say, Father, you are instantly into that throne room. And he gave you an imagination and he gave you these details so you can connect to what's going on there because you're literally up in that place. You're made for pleasure. You're made for wonder. You're made for glory. You're made for the throne room. That's what you're made for. And I would just say this, just real practically. I've seen it over the years how my digital life steals from my spiritual vision. And how when I'm locked in to what's going on on a finite screen in front of me, how my mind's eye gets really dull and dim. But when I turn that screen off, it seems like that screen turns on. And I just, I firmly believe that one of the negatives, I'm not against all phones or media or anything like that, but one of the negatives of that phone addiction that so many of us experience is it, it takes you and locks you in naturally so that you cannot see spiritually. You cannot engage spiritually because you are so connected here you're disconnected there. Am I making any sense? You ever notice a dullness on you? It doesn't even mean you're in bad things. You're just dull. You know, because you're made for something more. You're made for shock and awe and wonder. You're made for thrill and pleasure. You're made for beauty. You're made for, I mean, Thunder and lightning coming out of the being of God. You're made for jasper and sardius and emerald rainbow. You're made for sea of glass and living creatures. Come on, man. That's what you're made for is to hang out in that place so that the unction and the anointing and the presence of that place, it gets all over you. So no matter where you're walking around in this place, they're feeling that place. Some of the, some of the moments of my life that I've I've thought, man, th that's how I want to be. Or when doing nothing, saying nothing, I'm talking to a person or maybe just standing next to them, and they go, dude, I feel something on you. I go, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's it. I want to be so in tune there that that atmosphere is what I'm clothed with here. Guys, that's what you're made for. That's what you're made for. You're made for wonder and shock. You're made for beauty. You're, you're made for your soul to thrill. You're made for pleasure and delight. When we engage that space, we have a cricket blowing up the room. <laughs> we bind you, demon cricket. 
right, on the podcast, just for you listening, there is a cricket all of a sudden that is just manifesting a demon in our room. We bind you. All right. I noticed you guys were like, oh, my God, is there crickets in the throne room? Lord, just kill that cricket in Jesus' name. Just kill Strike it down. Strike, it, strike the cricket. You're made for that. You're made for beauty. The enemy's whole, whole dream is to get Christians bored, locked into this place with no unction from heaven on them. And they're basically just trying to wrestle through this life with no anointing, no authority, bored in their soul, no prayer life, with nothing but just like the same ideas that the unsaved people have. But I'm telling you, you have access to something. It's transformational. And it's, it's the greatest experience of pleasure. That's what I want you to get. You're made for pleasure. Pleasure isn't evil. The pornographers have stolen that. They've stolen that idea. God made pleasure. God made all the things in your soul that delight and explode with, with you know, pleasure and, and love and, and all the feelings on the inside. God made all that stuff. He, he, he crafted your chemistry, but all of that is crafted for you to experience ultimately him. And everything that you're able to touch in pleasure here is just telling you about the pleasure of who he is. Guys, this, is what you're made for. You're made to be in the throne room. You're made to engage that place. You're made for the power of that place. I, I love thinking about the living creatures. You got lion head, calf head, man head, and eagle head. They have six wings. I'm going to end with the living creatures. They have six wings. Two, they cover their face. Two, they cover their feet. Two, they fly. They're covered in eyes. They have eyeballs everywhere. I mean, they eyeball, eyeball, eyeball. I... They're flying, lion head, calf head, human head, eagle head. They're flying, and I imagine them circling, and they're singing. And here's what's interesting. Every angle around the throne, it doesn't matter where they are. Their eyes continually stare at him. Now we see these same guys in Isaiah 6, and they're called seraphim. Seraphim literally means burning ones. Our God is a consuming fire, and they're staring at him, and they're on fire. You know, you know why you've been experiencing dullness? Because you're looking at things that make you dull. But when you look at him who is fire, 
it sets you on fire. And they have been singing the same song, holy, 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 holy. It means you're not like anything else. You're completely other than. There's nothing like you. There's no one like you. In all creation, in all created order, there's nothing like you. There's no one like you. We see them in Isaiah, and then we see them with John in the book of Revelation. Guys, they're singing the same song. It is a thousand-ish years apart. I want you to think about this. We sang Let It Rain Tonight. We sang it for about 15 minutes. It kind of got old toward the end. No shade on this worship team. They did awesome. They've been singing that song forever, and it's not getting old. Why is it not getting old? Because he's infinite. In every lap around the throne, they're seeing a new attribute of his beauty and glory. So every time they're singing it, the song stays new. It's a new holy every time they say it, and it will continue to be a new holy forever. The reason why we're not burning is because we're not looking at him who is fire. When we look at him, it sets us on fire. The dullness gets lifted off. The fire gets imparted, and we start carrying the atmosphere of that place every place. Beloved, this is what you're made for. You're made to feast on beauty. You're made to drink pleasure. Your, your soul is telling you, you know it. You're made to thrill and shock. Every mountain, every, you know, sunrise, every sunset, every beautiful starry sky, every cavern, every canyon, every ocean, every tidal wave, every wild thing you ever did, a bungee jump or a skydive or surfing or whatever, spelunking, cave dwellers, whatever, It was always telling you something that you're made for adventure in God. You're made for wonder in Him. People are like, what's your bucket list? Where do you want to travel to? I've been to 30-something nations. I'm the worst tourist there is. I've been to the pyramids in Egypt. I've been to the Grand Canyon. I've been all sorts of places. I can't get as good of a picture as I can find on Google. So I just look at it and I go, okay. I went up in the pyramid, came back down. You know, my friend I'm with, I'm like, I'm going to go sit in the, in the AC. He's like, dude, you're at the pyramids. I go, I've been looking at it for an hour. It's a triangle. <laughs> you know, it's, made out of, it's made out of some kind of stones. Triangle stone thing and I think I love I love beauty I do I love I love all that stuff but every time I touch those places I know it's not it's not scratching the itch on the inside of here it's not what I'm made for 
it, it's not enough. Because I'm made for glory. And so are you. That's why we've got to get in touch with the throne room. That's why we've got to get in touch with who he is and where he is. So when we're praying, we're not just throwing discs at the ceiling. We're engaging in that place of wonder and majesty and fire and beauty. And it's transforming us. And we come to faith when we realize it's real. So that I'm not just throwing up a Hail Mary, hope my prayers get answered. No, no, I'm standing before a throne set in heaven. And every other throne has to bow to the one that's on that throne. And the one that's on that throne, he loves to hear my voice. His ear is attentive to my prayers. He promises I've got access at all times. He gives me, this is how easy prayer is. He gives us what to pray. We say those words back to him. He goes, done. And angels and demons move at the sound of our voice. Not because we're something, but because the blood is on you. We can get into that space and it's beauty and wonder. It's divine entertainment. It's a theater of ecstasy when you experience the glory and the fire of who he is. You get into that space and, man, your heart is thrilling and moving. And then what happens? You start asking and the answers start coming quicker and quicker and quicker because you're in faith because it's real. You begin to see it and believe it. That's what you're made for. live this way, guys. That's why I'm jumping in the night watch for a month. My text messages won't be going off unless there's 50 of y'all down there, which is fine, but don't text me. Let's just pray. But I want to get a hold of him, and I want to shift the atmosphere because I know he loves to hear my voice, and I know when I pray, I'm in that place. That's our portion, guys. Amen. Our Father in heaven. Amen. Let's stand. I want you to engage your divine imagination. Just close your eyes. John said, immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a door standing open in heaven. Immediately he was in the spirit and then behold, a throne set in heaven. He heard the voice that said, come up here. I want to tell you something. Jesus is still saying, come up here. He's saying, come up here right now. He said it to John and he's saying it to you. Come up here. Get your eyes off of this place and get it on to that place. Come up here. 
the voice I heard was the voice from the beginning. It said, come up here. Immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone. Let your divine imagination just begin to engage that place. By the blood of Jesus, Abba, we step in through a new and living way. We step into the throne room even right now. He who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone. There was an emerald rainbow around the throne in appearance like a rainbow. And around the throne, there were 24 thrones with 24 elders clothed in white robes with crowns of gold on their head. Before the throne, there were seven lamps of fire and a sea of glass and four living creatures. And they do not rest day or night saying, holy, 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 because they're burning. They're burning ones, burning with the beauty of him that they're staring at. Every holy is a new holy because they're seeing him with a fresh eye, a fresh revelation, and it will never grow tired. It will never grow old. You weren't made for finiteness. You were made for infinity. You were made for wonder and beauty and glory and fire. You were made for majesty and splendor and pleasure and delight. You were made for in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures evermore. This is what you were made for. And I just, in the name of Jesus, I lift the dullness off your spirit and off your mind in the name of Jesus. Let your mind soar. Let the wonder of God fill your senses. That place is a place of divine entertainment. It's a place of majesty, splendor. He wraps himself in light as a garment. The Bible says he dwells in unapproachable light. In him is light and there is no darkness at all. This is what you're made for. And let me tell you, no devil, no demon has any authority to stand when that light hits your spirit. In his presence is fullness of joy at his right hand, pleasures evermore. You have access. You have access. By the blood of Jesus, you have access. Step in by faith now, now. We're on the sea of glass with him right now. 24 elders, four living creatures, everyone crying, holy, holy. Jasper diamond, ruby, red, emerald, rainbow, thunders and lightnings and voices and sounds, river of fire.
that David meant. One thing I've asked, this one thing I seek, to gaze on the beauty. Escort us, Holy Spirit, escort us. Stand on the sea of glass. Staring on him who's on the throne. Holy Spirit. Seated in heavenly places in Christ. Emerald rainbow. Emerald rainbow. Some of you need to get in touch with the emerald rainbow. The mercy of God. His mercies are new towards you. Every action and decree from his throne is mercy. Righteousness and justice is mercy. Lightnings and thunderings and voices. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at gatekeepersatl. We'll see you in the next episode.